Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monmouth College Conversations. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and every week during the academic year, I sit down with members of the Monmouth College community to talk to them about their interests, what they do, and things they've done. In the 17th edition of Monmouth College Conversations for the 2023-2024 school year, we chat with Monmouth's Mr. Mascot. He's also known as 1984 alumnus Chris Pio. Chris's new book, Governors, Gauchos, and Gales, NCAA Division I Nicknames and Mascots from Aces to Zips, is out and it's about the stories and rationale behind the mascots and NCAA Division I athletics. Two years ago, 1984, Monmouth graduate Chris Pio published the book Griffins, Gorlocks, and Gusties, a history of NCAA Division III nicknames and mascots. That was followed up with the book Gorillas, Gators, and Greyhounds, the NCAA Division II nickname and mascot menagerie. And now the NCAA trilogy is complete with the publication of Governors, Gauchos, and Gales, NCAA Division I nicknames and mascots from aces to zips. The latest edition of Mascot Books is another great journey by Chris on the meaning, origins, and little-known facts about NCAA mascots on the Division I level. And it's pretty much secured Chris, who's also a member of the Monmouth M Club Hall of Fame, the nickname Mr. Mascot. If you're keeping score at home, this means Chris has covered the histories, backgrounds, and origins of more than a thousand NCAA athletic programs. We have uh, uh, now uh, about uh, 1,100 plus schools uh, in the in the three books. So it, it, that was one of the big milestones. I wanted to do all three divisions. I did them one year at a time, one group at a time, and now that I've got all three of them behind me, it's uh, it's really a, a proud accomplishment. Let's go back a little and uh, in time. What led you to start this project in the first place? The very first school that I ever researched or thought anything about uh, mascot or nickname was Monmouth. When I was back when I was SID and I was putting together the all time sport record books. Uh, I did a little introduction before all of the statistics and the, and the records and, and found out the, the origin of the fighting Scots, how it was named and, and uh, uh, the story behind the, the nickname and and then I didn't then that just idea just rattled around in my head for a long long time and finally uh 2017 2018 I I, I thought I had enough information in my head and scratched out on paper that I, I got a little bit more serious about it and it took several years just piecemeal here and there putting information on paper and and uh, I thought I would uh start with the division three group because that's where I spent 40 years of my life so uh, I just I started with that group and I had the the optimistic uh end result of doing all the NCA schools but I knew I didn't want to do 1200 of them all at the same time that book would be pretty uh pretty uh, uh a pretty massive undertaking so I tried to chop it up into smaller pieces and once I got the first one done there was enough interest and and energy and excitement about the the concept that it, it kind of just kept me going. And then I did division two, obviously, and then division one. So uh, it's taken a couple of years to get them, get them all done. But uh, that combined with the one I'm working on right now, hopefully we'll cover all of the 
the four-year colleges in, in, in the United States. And that was the, the, the goal five, six years ago when I first started coming up with the idea. Among the NCAA Division I schools who have well-known nicknames, did you find any surprising stories behind the origins of some of the schools with the better-known nicknames? Oh boy, that, that's a loaded question. Every everybody has a different story, and and every everyone uh, is is proud of of their their origin and and where they come from. Uh, right. The the ones around here in the Midwest that most people are are familiar with the Big Ten schools, uh, and and uh, the schools here in the in the Midwest. Uh, a number of them, uh, interesting enough, uh, sprang out of insults. Uh, the poor, the the Purdue Boilermakers. That was a, an insult that that the, the folks from Wabash put on the the the, the football players from Purdue. Uh, uh, the Hoosier of Indiana University uh, is uh, you know the, the the origin of that is debatable, but some people uh, trace it back to a, a, a an insultory term. The Iowa Hawkeyes, the Hawkeyes, uh, not the Iowa Hawkeyes. Excuse me, the the Nebraska Cornhuskers. The Cornhuskers used to be uh, a nickname that the Nebraska people gave Iowa uh, as a kind of a put down. Well, a sports writer from Nebraska liked it, and 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 all of a sudden they tabbed the the, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and that's obviously caught on. So it, it's been interesting to to see where uh, uh, nicknames come from. Sometimes it's pretty obvious, and sometimes it's pretty positive. But it's been interesting to see the ones that that are derived from. Uh, a not so very nice start. There's also some pretty unusual nicknames among Division One schools, uh, including extinct animals or someone known as the Mastodons. The Mastodons of Purdue University Fort Wayne, uh, a school in in northern Indiana, and they uh, they actually uh, derive that name from an actual mastodon bone, a skeleton that was dug up uh, as they were excavating a, a, a pond on a local farmer's field. Uh, the geology students from what used to be Indiana University, Purdue University, Fort Wayne, uh, helped with the excavation and thought that the uh, the idea of using an extinct animal as their school symbol uh, was unique enough that they uh, pitched their case and they they uh, they won uh, the argument and and they have become the mastodons. They're the only Division One school that uses an extinct animal, but there are a couple in Division Three. So uh, that is one of the unusual ones. A lot of the uh, the other ones are more familiar animals, but not ones that you would really associate with uh, with with college athletics. Uh, the uh, the jackrabbits and the terrapins and uh, the uh, the anteaters of UC Irvine. So there's a number of them that that uh, aren't used by very many. Some are, are only used by one school. Texas Christian University is known as the Horn Frogs, but their mascot is not a frog, right? It's a horned frog, but it's actually a species of lizard, which is uh, interesting uh, to to learn about. It's very common in, in Texas and throughout the Southwest. It looks like a frog the way it sits on the ground and, and the way its body is shaped. Uh, but it's uh, it has this, the, the protective spikes on its outer uh, outer coat. Uh, and uh, so that's where it gets the horned uh, appellation. So a horned frog is actually in all reality a lizard. Do you think uh, that the, the it's a frog, it's a, it's an amphibian, but no, it's it's actually a reptile. So, St. Louis University used to be a team that you saw a lot in the national limitation national limitation tournament back when that was a big uh, 
big deal in college basketball. They're known as the Billikens. Is the Billikens a creature or a man? The Billiken a- was actually a, a charm doll that was created by a, a, a school teacher from Kansas City back in the early 1900s. And uh, there was a, a football coach at St. Louis University named John Bender. Uh, and when the Billiken came out, it uh, it, it really captive, uh, captured the imagination of, of the American public. Uh, public. It was a kind of a pop, pop culture icon of the times. It, it appeared on all types of, of uh, merchandise and, and novelty items. Uh, there was a, a drawing that came out with the Billiken doll. It looked like a Buddha, uh, a, a squat a round figure with a with a with a moon shaped face, uh, and one of the uh, one of John Bender's uh, fellow law students uh, thought that Bender looked like the Billiken, or the Billiken looked like the Bender, and so he coined the phrase Billik, uh, "Bender's Billikens," and it caught on. And there again, it was just odd enough, unique enough, just like the mastodons of Fort Wayne that that uh, the students got on board and and. Uh, Billiken has uh, has now become a uh, kind of a, a fictional creature, much like the griffin and the gorlock from my first book. Uh, it's not really a, a true creature, uh, but it was based essentially on a on a novelty item back in the early 1900s. Providence College in Rhode Island, they're nicknamed the Friars, which sort of makes sense because it's a Catholic in- institution. But Furman, which is south of there, they're known as the Paladins. Were they, were they founded by knights, or did they have anything to do with knights? Uh, no, the the Furman Paladins, uh, instead of of a, 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 a traditional knight or a warrior, they just latched on to the term paladin, which traces its origin back to the days of Charlemagne in eighth century Europe. Uh, it's like the the Knights of the Round Table in in King Arthurian legend. Uh, the Paladins were actually a, a true group of 12 warriors, soldiers, knights. Uh, so Paladin is just, a, it's a kind of an obscure, arcane word that it means knights or, or a, a chivalrous uh, individual. Uh, but not very many people know what it means. And so it's an example of, of a school that, that uses a common concept, in this case, a, a knight on horseback. But they have uh, attached a, a rather obscure unique word to it a little bit more up the coast there you've got virginia tech and they're known as the Hokies. what i guess that's the same question i have with the billigan what, what what's a hokey the hokey uh is represented in 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 uh, physical form by a turkey and that's exactly what it is uh, it's a fictional it's a fictional turkey bird uh the 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 uh, football team back in the again the early 1900s at Virginia Tech uh, had a, a coach who started what he called the Gobbler Club, uh, and so they've they they latched onto the turkey as a symbol. Uh, but there's an old time chant, an old time sports cheer at Virginia Tech, and it was made up by someone in the 1890s. And hokey is just actually a, a nonsense word that rhymed with something I can't recall off the top of my head. But uh, uh, hokey. Uh, was uh, just again a made-up word. It was attached to the, the 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 students at Virginia Tech, much like Hoosiers and Buckeyes and and uh, uh, Wolverines and the the ones that that were come more common. We we commonly associate Cornhuskers from Nebraska. The Hokey uh, was uh, uh, attached or associated with Virginia Tech, and the two of them just kind of merged in together. And so the, the a fictional word. Uh, is now represented by a, a, a costume turkey of all things. 
Manhattan College is another school that used to be pretty prominent in the early days of the NIT. They're called the Jaspers. What is is the that? Jaspers a- is actually a, a name uh, of a, a real person. Uh, Brother Jasper was the first athletic director uh, at Manhattan. Uh, he he came over. He was an Irish priest. He was hired uh, back in the in the uh, uh, late 1800s and uh, organized their orchestra and their glee club and and a number of other clubs and activities. He plays a really prominent role in the history of Manhattan. Uh, and his, that was his actual name, Brother Jasper. Uh, and so they honored his memory uh, with uh, with calling the, the the men's teams the Jaspers. The women at Manhattan are known as the Lady Jaspers. An interesting sidelight story on that for you as a, as a historian, a sports historian, uh, Dwayne. Uh, he is uh, credited, although some debate the the uh, the veracity of it. He's uh, credited with the creation of the seventh inning stretch in baseball. You're listening to Monmouth College Conversations. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Office of Communications and Marketing. I'm talking to Monmouth alumnus Chris Pio. He's the author of three books about nearly 1,100 NCAA athletics mascots. The third installment of his trilogy is called Governors, Gauchos, and Gales. NCAA Division I nicknames and mascots from aces to zips. And you can find it, of course, on Amazon, as well as other locations on the World Wide Web. A reminder that Monmouth College will be closed from December 22nd through January 1st as the campus settles in for a long winter nap, but the college's websites will remain open. That makes it a great time to read the college's top 10 news stories of 2023, and you can do that at monmouthcollege.edu news, as well as check out some of its must-read stories and the top photos of the calendar year. Although the college will be closed, we'll have basketball on campus on December 30th. That's when the men's basketball team will play Aurora University in a 1 o'clock Saturday matinee at Glenny Gymnasium. And right after the college reopens, both the Monmouth men's and women's basketball teams will jump back into Midwest Conference action with a home doubleheader on Wednesday, January 3rd against Lawrence University. Of course, to keep up with the latest in Fighting Scots athletics, just point your internet browser to mamascots.com that's your official place on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. Now let's get back to my conversation with Monmouth alumnus Chris Pio and his research about the college sports nicknames and mascots of the NCAA. As Chris's research shows, a school sports nickname might not have anything to do with its location or even with the biography of its founder, such as Vanderbilt University, which was named after Commodore Cornelius Vanderbilt. The namesake of, of, of Vanderbilt is Cornelius, Cornelius Vanderbilt, philanthropist and, and, uh, and uh, uh, well-known uh, prominent American figure uh, back in his time. Uh, he was among his other accomplishments. Uh, uh, he was uh, the owner of the Staten Island Ferry, and though so, even though Cornelius Vanderbilt never served a day in the United States Navy, he was given the nickname the Commodore because of his connection with the Staten Island Ferry, and so Vanderbilt is named after him. And then they took their nickname from his own personal nickname, Commodore. And they're, again, represented by a physical mascot, a, a, a dapperly dressed gentleman in, in naval regalia from the uh, from the early 19th century. Always found it interesting that Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia, isn't just the herd, but they're the thundering herd. Some schools are like that. Some schools take the take a, an adjective and 
use it to enhance their prominence or their 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 aggressive uh, behavior or or you know they think that it, it sets them apart. And and obviously we're connected with with a prime example of that. We're not just the Scots; we're the Fighting Scots. You got the Fighting Irish and the Fighting Illini. Uh, Marshall, uh, instead of of uh, identifying with the buffalo or the bison, and that's where they get their name because the natural range of the American buffalo once went as far west as Huntington, West Virginia, or far east as Huntington, West Virginia. But instead of just using buffalo or bison like a number of other NCA schools do. They use the more descriptive and the more intimidating phrase "thundering herd." Back when Marshall had picked that that uh, title, uh, there was a a novel by popular uh, American Western author Zane Grey called "The Thundering Herd," uh, and there was actually a silent movie uh, by the same title that came out about the same time, I think, in the earlier mid 1920s. And so, "The Thundering Herd" became the uh, the, the nickname of Marshall, just because of its rather imposing, intimidating nature, rather than just a, a plain old buffalo. I think what's interesting too about your book is you point out that some schools have mascots that are just restricted to the football games, which I guess is kind of a reminder that college athletics really grew up and exploded on the national scene with football. Football is the main driver of Division One sports. Obviously, it's the big money maker. It's it's what most people associate with. Obviously, it's the first sport out of the gate when the school year opens up in the fall. You get all the hype and all of the commercialization and and, and all of the the the, the publicity. Uh, and and there are are a, a large number of schools that have very visible, very familiar, very well known iconic images or or personalities, characters, mascots. Uh, that only use them for football because they're just not very uh, appropriate for indoor sports. Uh, the one that comes to mind is the is the Indian on the, the horse at Florida State that comes out before every home game and plants a flaming spear, a flaming spear uh, at midfield. Obviously, you can't do that at a basketball game or at a baseball game. Uh, the pageantry of college football has really enhanced a lot of the athletic mascots at the, the big universities. Uh, and so uh, you'll see you'll see uh, a number of schools that use animals for outdoor events uh, and and uh, other characters that, that just aren't uh, relevant because the football is that, that's the big spectator sport. That's the big money maker. And so they want to they want to build up the, the, the football program. And so uh, uh, some of those schools. Uh, I think of, of Florida State maybe as an example. I use the Indian on the on the horse that, that people are well familiar with, Chief Osceola. But during uh, the other eight months of the school year, baseball games and basketball games, they use a uh, a costume horse called Cimarron. Uh, uh, so they they might very well have a a secondary mascot. University of Arkansas, the Razorbacks, they have four mascots. They have three costume pigs and a true live four hundred pound Russian boar. That they present at uh, at their their home basket or their home uh, football games. South Carolina does the same thing with the gamecock. They've got a live rooster that occupies its own specialized pen uh, in the corner of their football stadium. But the rest of the year, they use cocky. They use a, a costumed chicken. So a lot of schools have a big, high-profile, well-known, well-publicized mascot for football, but they use uh, other secondary characters throughout the year for other sports. You mentioned Florida State. They're one of a handful of schools that still have 
uh, mascots represented by different Native American heritage. Uh, of course, that's been a, a controversial topic at the University of Illinois, but not at places such as uh, Florida State or the University of Utah. Yeah, that's one thing that, that really came up in the research ever since I started back Division Three. There are a number of schools, not very many. Uh, that that uh, that still have uh, Native American based nicknames. There are a few more in Division Two. There are even a few more in Division One. So, some of it uh, uh, stems from the origin, the date of the origin of the mascot, and when they chose the nickname. Some it's just the location of the school and their relationship with the, the local uh, Native American tribal groups. Uh, uh, Two thousand five was the big landmark uh, NCAA policy change on Native American mascots when they started really getting uh, a lot of uh, of uh, of um, uh, crit- uh, uh, criticism for um, derogatory terms and and putting down the Native Americans. Uh, that's when a lot a lot of them changed. But Division One, uh, there are a few. And, and I grew up in Central Illinois, Bradley Braves, University of Illinois Fighting Illini. The nicknames have survived, but the images have changed. Bradley has replaced their uh, their Indian chief. Uh, that used to dance at their home basketball games with, of all things, a gargoyle. It's indicative of the architecture on the Peoria campus. Uh, the University of Illinois has done away with Chief Illini Wick, again, another Indian character that danced at, at football games and basketball games and people saw for 80 years, but they discontinued that because of, of the pressure or the sensitivity to the Native American groups. And now Illinois just uses the, the, the capital block orange letter I. They're one of a handful of schools. Michigan is another one. Uh, Dartmouth is another one out of the Ivy League that just uses a, a letter, just uses an initial, a graphic image. Uh, so there aren't very many of those, but but there again, the, the, the schools that use graphic images rather than physical mascots like Illinois, like Michigan, like Indiana, um, they're immediately recognizable because they're they're plastered everywhere. So you finished your trilogy of NCAA schools. Now it's on to the NAIA. Yeah, I, I thought uh, I, I would I would try to to create a fourth volume, a fourth book, and include the non NCAA groups, uh, and that's the NAI primarily. But there are some Catholic, or not the, there are some Christian schools uh, in the the National Christian Collegiate Athletic Association. Uh, there are some very small splinter type organizations uh, whose school whose members have just not decided to join into the NAIA or the NCAA governance for whatever reason. So. There aren't very many of those. I think there are 60 or 70 total in addition to the 240 in the NAIA. So uh, there are about 300 more schools, give or take, that that I'm interested in writing about. I'll probably try to combine those in the same book. And hopefully that will include all that will that will then uh, that will then finish the 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 the, the, uh, mission of, of all four year U.S. senior colleges and universities. It will all, it's also be interesting to, f- to find out what's the most common uh, mascot, what's the most uh, creative mascot as well when you have all four books finished. I'm actually in my head and, and starting on paper. I hope it's I hope it's something I can uh, I can see to, to completion. Uh, I'm writing, maybe writing two books at the same time, one on the NAIA and non-NCAA groups to, to finish up that big group of four-year schools, but at the same time trying to compile uh, uh, a collection uh, or uh, uh, all of them together. Not going to include all, all 1,700 stories necessarily, but uh, but uh, like you said, uh, uh, what's the most popular nickname? 
what's the most popular mascot. Uh, I've got lists now, uh, so I, it's just a matter of combining those and and maybe not necessarily telling the story behind the the name, the story behind the character, but now just listing the characters almost like an encyclopedia uh, and and saying uh, here's here's where we are because there are some schools that the people are aware of and they say oh this they're the only school that uses this particular character. I know one conversation we had in the past, you, you mentioned the Youngstown State Penguins, which is in the Division One book, school out in Ohio, the only school that uses penguins. No, there's a Division Two school, Dominican University in California. It's a Division Two school. Not very many people in the in the Midwest know about it, but uh, there are there is another penguin. Uh, when when the St. Peter's University Peacocks made their Cinderella run in the NCAA men's basketball tournament a year or so ago, uh, they were they were hyped as the only school that uses peacocks. No, they're the only Division One school that uses Peacock, but there's a Division School, Division Two school up the road, not too far from where I live now in Cedar Rapids in Fayette, Iowa, Upper Iowa University. They're also the Peacocks. So it's been interesting to kind of compare between the groups now. And now that I have almost all of them uh, chronicled and, and, and researched, I can I can put those lists together definitively and say, here's how many Hawks, Eagles, Bears, Cardinals scots there are in the country that's mammoth alumnus chris pio he's the author of three books about nearly 1100 ncaa athletics mascots and he plans a fourth one about the non-ncaa colleges and universities the third installment of chris's ncaa mascots trilogy is called governors gauchos and gales ncaa division one nicknames and mascots from aces to zips probably the best place to find it is on Amazon. And that's a wrap on this 17th episode of Mammoth College Conversations for the 2023-2024 school year. You can tell us what you think or add to the conversation by firing off an email to us at news at mammothcollege.edu. Be sure to put conversation in the subject line. The conversation is going to take a Christmas break as well. Then it will be back in early January in our first edition of the spring. will be an interview with another Mammoth author, alumnus Brad Narstadt. He's written a much overdue biography on 1904 Democratic presidential candidate Alton Brook Parker. Until our next conversation, this is Dwayne Bonifer, the Mammoth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody. Have a nice day. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you.